Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. It is Motivational Monday, and I am really excited to talk to someone because I generally we generally pass over the folk in this position, but they get here, and then sometimes they go on to do greater things than they're already doing. Let me welcome the Lieutenant Governor of Michigan, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist II. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Karen, it's amazing to be on the show with you today. Thank you for having me. Listen, you know, you've been working in Michigan, in and around the Detroit area for a minute. And, you know, people who work on the ground, you tend to get overlooked in this social media society of ours, where it's all about the, you know, the clicks and the algorithms and, and who said what, you know, on, on any talk show. So, you know, for you being at Lieutenant Governor, you were elected, by the way, um, not appointed. What does the Lieutenant Governor do? First of all, let's start there, because many of us, you know, you know what the governor does. What what is your role? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what the most important hat I wear is as a husband and a dad, you know, probably married, celebrating 14 years on July 11th. Congrats. Uh, happy anniversary, baby. Um, but as lieutenant governor, it's, it's very similar to vice presidency. I'm the vice president of the state of Michigan. And what that means in real life is that whenever the governor is out of state, I have served as the governor of the state of Michigan. Or if she's out of state for any reason, or if she's incapacitated for any reason, I serve as the governor of our state and do all the things the governor does. And the second thing is that I am the president of the Michigan State Senate. So our state legislature is similar to the United States uh, legislative bodies, has a, a Senate and a House, and I preside over it. I bang the gavel. I tell everyone when they can talk and when they can't, and making sure that the process runs fairly so that we can get laws done that actually make sense for people. And that's what we've been really getting to work doing these last few months here in the state of Michigan. And beyond that, I have a set of policy areas in my portfolio that I focus on for basically creating economic opportunity in an equitable way, reducing health disparities, connecting people to the Internet. I'm a technologist by training, so enabling technology, entrepreneurship, uh, and, and increasing the capital environment for people who want to have ideas and make them thrive in Michigan. Uh, that's what this is all about for me, and, and I love I love being a public servant. I'm on the road right now because I go to communities all across Michigan, both peninsulas, biggest state, east of the Mississippi River, every single day to make things happen. Okay, let's let's start with the tech for a second. Tomorrow's Tech Tuesday on the Karen Hunter Show. But in in your role, you were an engineer. You're an engineer. You 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 went to school to become an engineer. Why? First of all, my grandma bought me a computer when I was five. First kid on my block on the east side of Detroit to have a computer, and I fell in love with that thing. I took it apart, changed it up, put it together, back together, and you know my parents really let it be mine too. And so my first job. I didn't even get paid for it. I thought if you can call it a job. But when I was 16, I built five computers by myself with my own hands and I installed them in a rec center I used to go to and started teaching a computing class. And so I loved technology from a young age and really loved the things that technology could unlock for people if they were comfortable with it, if they were confident in their ability to control it and to use it. And so I think technology can be a great enabling force. What, what Steve Jobs called it was a bicycle for the mind. It made what you wanted to do better, more efficient, more effective. And that's the way I see it. And so I think if we can put technology in front of everyone and put it in their hands equitably the way they can afford, that they can learn to use, it can unlock creativity and potential in a way that, you know, we can't predict what we know would be good. Let's do a little, not experiment, but everybody has a cell phone. Everybody has a cell phone. Even my mama has figured out how to use an iPhone, how to FaceTime. She can drop pictures. She going to put up stuff, post on, on Facebook. Like my 80-year-old mother 
has mastered the iPhone. What, uh, Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist, is the disconnect for people who use technology every day but can't figure out how to master technology for the betterment of the community or even have our young people invest their their energies instead of being basketball players and rappers not that every kid wants to be those two things why not technologists not why not engineers what what would that bridge look like for you well we need to have a reality where our kids can have all of the above future you know, I talked about getting that computer when I was five. I started playing basketball. I'm six feet, eight inches tall. And I played Wait, wait, pause, pause. He said he's six, eight. Y'all, hold on. You just uh, just yeah. going to gloss over being six, eight, but an hey, engineer yeah. and lieutenant governor of the state of Michigan. <laughs> and so you, I'm sure everyone's like, you're supposed to be in the NBA. Yeah, so I played ball competitively, traveled all over the country playing basketball from when I was nine to 17. I say all, all of the above future for our kids because just like I love technology, I also love to hoop. And so my point is, what we need to make sure is that kids are allowed to explore the depths of their interest and their imagination. As, and as much as we focus on developing physical skills, look, I, I, my son is doing drills after school about, you know, how to shoot a left-hand layup and all that stuff. And they're also learning how to play the piano and learning how to type. You know, these things are really important. And so I think how we make the connection, I don't want to talk about the disconnect, how we make the connection is letting people know that this future is available to them, putting tools and technology in kids' hands, and then letting them have the freedom to play with it. The reason I learned how to use computers is because I had the freedom and flexibility to control it and let it be mine so that I could know that the technology didn't control me, that I could make it do what I wanted to do. I had a professor at the University of Michigan College of Engineering who taught me that computers are actually pretty stupid. They do exactly what you tell them to do. And that's mostly true. I mean, we can have a conversation about generative artificial intelligence and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is they follow instructions. And so we have to be people who are mindful enough, who are confident enough to give it the instructions to do what we want. Mm. And I think our kids can understand that and they can make things happen. Now, you you have an initiative, several actually, uh, in this area. What is, uh, and I feel like we need to reimagine education because I don't think education services most students. It's a regurgitated, you know, here's some information. We treat children like computers. We're going to put something in and expect them to spit it back out without any analytical thinking, without any kind of, you know, sussing out back and forth, whether this is true, hold it up against the light. We, we don't learn in circles. We don't learn, you know, we, we learn in this, in this linear kind of way. And as, as far as technology, I mean, I grew up in an era where we had to take shop, home economics. We had band. So I had to, I had to play an instrument I picked the clarinet you know and you get and this is in the fourth grade third and fourth grade we I'm carrying my little you know clarinet briefcase I was so excited to go get the little reeds and learn how to read sheet music but that is how you awaken everything we just have abandoned all of that today and most schools don't even have arts music any of that how do we bring that back especially in a state like Michigan well we have to invest in it and and to talk about the the importance of arts and creative education. I can speak from personal experience. During COVID-19, the pandemic, when uh, most of our kids were learning from home, my children who go to Detroit public schools were learning from home. And it was a hard experience for them. My, my daughter did you know, pretty well. My son struggled. And what got him through COVID school was his music teacher, was learning music remotely. But she inspired him to want to log on because he didn't want to log on. Otherwise, I had to fight with him every day at eight o'clock to log on. And so we know that that can unlock minds because different people think differently. You see the world differently, understand facts differently. 
we have some amazing education professionals in this system, even though the system may have some some challenges and some some historic inertia with how it works. We have amazing professionals that we need to support to unlock their creativity so they can pull out of our shoulder. Because for all the frustrations that we have with our systems, we all can remember that one teacher who got to us, right. that one teacher who touched us, who challenged us. And we need to support education professionals like that and make this a profession that more people, more creative people with more life experiences and backgrounds want to go to because it's respected, because it, we pay teachers better. And we're working to do that here in the state of Michigan. That's why we started paying student teachers stipends for the first time ever, because who wants to not get paid to learn how to teach, right? So so we're starting by, by handling that structural inequity, by giving, giving a better path for people to choose a profession and prepare our young people. Because I think the way that you take care of young people is by taking care of the adults who take care of young people. Amen. Amen. We're talking with, of course, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist II from the great state of Michigan. And Governor Whitmer's 2024 budget has in it recommendations for the highest per student investment in Michigan history for the fifth year in a row without raising taxes. You know, when people tell me Democrats and Republicans are the same, it's just two two wings of the same bird. I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. We have to stop allowing the gaslighting because I guarantee you, Governor Whitmer is not the governor of Michigan. None of this is happening. Talk about that. That's a hundred percent true. I can't, and I think in Michigan we have we are one of the clearest examples of that in the country. In the election last year, with record voter turnout, people um, stepping up. We got a democratic trifecta. That means that not only are Governor Whitmer and I empowering the executive branch, but we have democratic majorities in the state house and state senate for the first time in 40 years in my entire life. In addition to being the first black lieutenant governor reelected, we also have the first black speaker of the house, general from Detroit named Joe Tate. We have the first woman who's leading the Senate in the history of, of, of that chamber, Wendy Brinks from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we got to work. We got to work doing things like putting money in people's pockets, retire people by ending the Republican initiated tax on people's pension, fixed incomes, like my father got his pension tax. We, we ended that. We tripled, we, we excuse me, quintupled the working families tax credit, putting $3,000 in 730,000 families' pockets. Real money at a time was something expensive. And we talked about children earlier. That program benefits 1 million children in Michigan. And that is half of the children in our state live in a household that will benefit from the money in the bank account from this working family tax credit. These are people who are working and need a little help to make ends meet. Well, the state of Michigan under democratic control is delivering that support so families can be their best. That's what we're about. So why, so why is it the messaging? And again, I hate this left right thing, but it seems to be people who want to maintain power at the expense of others have figured out how to create craft gaslighting messages that are simple from CRT to you know to all of the abortion stuff and it, they make the message so dumbed down that it's easy to repeat like o- Obamacare which everyone hated in red states but everyone loved the Affordable Care Act because they got to get their teeth fixed and they got some health care but they hated Obamacare because they were taught to hate it and there's still several governors that would not implement it and people are going bankrupt as a result how do we do a better job I'm, I'm doing my part I'm bringing on folk to talk about it but what else can we do to get the messaging out? Because what you just talked about, just and that's just one thing that Governor Whitmer is doing in Michigan that, you know, is going to impact millions of people. How do we do a better job of messaging? Karen, it's brute force. We got to put in the work. 
So yes, there are things that we can do related to messaging and narrative. And I believe in that and, and, are, and are working to invest in it's why we call things the things they do and things like that. But this is group first. We got to work. So that means going and getting on people again. Why I'm in the car right now is because I just left a community in Saginaw, Michigan, connecting with people about what's important. We put in the work and then we need to talk about the people who are putting in the work. We need to talk about the difference that it makes in people's lives. Talk about when you get that extra money in your bank account, what that's going to mean for your family. When you as a retired person have your whole pension, you work for your whole life. Now, what that will mean for you in your retirement. When we do things like restoring worker protections like we did in Michigan, they have people have a better chance to be respected and protected and organized in the workplace so they can get better health care, better benefits, and be more productive. We have to talk about that more and more, and everyone needs to use their platform. Now, we all, I don't have a platform as big as Karen Hunter, but we all have a platform that we can use. And so we have to use our voices uniquely and authentically because I can do more and say more as a public servant, but it's more authentic coming from people who are directly impacted. And I learned that as a community organizer in the middle of my career. And so I'm about creating space for people to do that. I want to talk about that, but I also want to correct you. You do have a platform as big as Karen Hunter because you have Karen Hunter's platform. And that's the thing that everybody that has a platform has to be mindful that we are just here at the behest. Our job is to disseminate information. Anybody that calls himself a journalist, that's your job, right? So if there's something to be said, you have to lend your platform to the things that need to be said to the people that are saying it. You know, that's, that's the responsibility. So you do have anytime you reach out, you know, you can come here. That said, talk about why you uh, decided to community organize because you could have made millions of dollars in, you know, in the tech field because there was a lot of money out there for somebody with your skills, your particular set of skills. Um, Why, why did you decide to community organize and what was the goal? What did you get accomplished? So it goes back to, again, why I fell in love with technology, because I saw when I taught that computer class when I was 16, you know, I was helping people connect to new opportunities. I showed a woman how to write a resume using Microsoft Word so she can get a job. I showed a little girl the internet for the first time. Her name was April. And just remember, like, seeing her, like, we, we typed in the, okay, let's take it back here. So in 1998, using Alta Vista as a search engine, we typed in the word tiger. And she saw the Detroit Tigers logo, Detroit, respect. And then she saw a picture of a tiger that was not at the Detroit Zoo. And she said, where is this tiger? And I said, it's in India, sweetheart, all the way across the world. This is about creating new possibilities. And so for me, I was working at Microsoft. I helped grow SharePoint to the fastest growing business in the company's history. That was great. Good job. Great place to work. All of that. But at the end of the day, I thought my talent could be better utilized, not just making a white collar worker more productive, but making somebody's life better. So that's why I left that and wanted to apply what I'd learned as a technologist when people real, realize their full economic, political, and, and civic possibility and potential. And that's why I left that. I walked away from that. I quit my job the week before I got married to be able to go wow. uh, really help to enable other people's lives. And now I'm proud to do that as a public servant here in my home state, in my hometown. All right. So I'm imagining Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist, your wife, Ellen, who stuck with you, even though you quit your job and then had the audacity to have three (laughs) children with you as well uh, and bring that into this low paying job. That said, you know, so it must be commitment. Are you in this? Like, why be why want to even be Lieutenant Governor? Is it to be governor? Is it to be then president? Like what what is the, the trajectory of this career path that you're on? to serve. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. So, so, you know, when I was uh, asked to consider being Lieutenant Governor, you know, one of the people who was a part of that process asked me what my plan was in five years, like it's five years ago. Okay. So what I said to him was, you know, look, 
I think if we do this right, I'll be serving in the first year of my second term alongside Governor Gretchen Whitmer. But I'll be honest with you. My job is not to predict the next five years. My job is to show up year after year. My job is to be present, to keep my commitments, to make good choices, to be accountable and to, to deliver and be productive. And I think the next five years will work itself out. You know, God's grace, good luck, and, and great relationships, I think, can really help people <laughs> get to where they need to go. For me, I want to really knock this out of the park. I want to change the perception of the role of lieutenant governor here in the state of Michigan. And I believe doing so and, and being and showing that who is in this position matters and can deliver people, that'll position me to be able to continue in public service. And I think this is the season um, for that. I want more people to consider public service, some more backgrounds. And so for me, I would love to have that to be able to continue um, and whatever God has for me in the future. I love it. Okay. As I said, open seat. Anytime you're doing something that needs magnification, just tap, tap, tap us on the shoulder and you come on in uh, as you're in them streets. And if you see him in the streets of Michigan, give that man a pat on the back and shake his hand and tell him thank you because he is working tirelessly to make sure that all of the plans and proposals that Governor Whitmer and now you have the ability to push them all through get done and that the people of Michigan are served. I am incredibly proud of you. And I thank you for for joining us today, sir. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate that. Appreciate how you use your platform to make sure people know what they need to understand. God bless you. God bless you, too. Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. Follow him at Garland, G-A-R-L-I-N or L-T-G-O-V Gilchrist, G-I-L-C-H-R-I-S-T. Follow him. Jump in his DMs. Hit him up. Tell him thank you. And we appreciate you again. Come on back anytime. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.